Hi, I'm Senshu, one of Sokuzan's monks. Sokuzan offers his wisdom with tireless devotion and love. If you value these teachings, Sokuzan, this mandala that is Sokokoji, please consider visiting our website, sokokoji.org, and donating. Thank you so much. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, wherever you may be or think you are. Good to see you here in the Zendo, Zendo at the monastery and also on Zoom. Pretty amazing uh, technology we have as of the last few years. So if you if you value what we're doing here and you understand uh, the importance of this uh, to yourself and to others, we'd like to extend what we're doing here in this uh, in this uh, local community of monks and monastery residents to into the neighborhood which we are endeavoring to do. Help us out with that if you can. Go to the website, donate if you can. If not, just keep attending anyway. This evening's talk is titled The Four Moments, and this comes from the Tendai tradition, uh, or Tian Tiai is a Chinese, I don't know the exact pronunciation comes from, I think it's around the fourth century, the Japanese form that came around the ninth century to Japan uh, from China was, uh, and I don't remember the, the monk's name that brought it there, uh, but it was, then it was uh, called a Tendai. And this, so this particular uh, teaching from Tendai or Tian Tai, Tian Tian Tai, is uh, is similar to Chan Buddhism, Zen Buddhism, and is uh, you could even say that Zen somehow came out of that in some way because of an emphasis on sitting meditation. So the four moments are before I have them written down here, so I won't. Uh, slip off into oblivion as I'm endeavoring to deliver this talk. Before thought, second one is imminent arising of thought. Three is the actual arising. And four is the passing away. And so the idea here is to, using these concepts, is to bring your mind down to a point so you can actually see just, so you can see just before the thoughts. So there's before thought. And then there's the feeling that thought is starting to arise. And then there's the actual thought that is rising. And then there's a passing away. Just breaking it down in that way. So let me help you a little bit with this. As you practice this in your sitting practice, but you're watching what moves. Chikantaza. Not being able to do this or live up to your idea of what these concepts represent is awareness. You do not have to accomplish anything. So this is why we have forms, is so you can observe them, not obey them. Don't do it what don't do anything you're told. Don't do it. But if something comes that way, you could consider it in, in a in an open quality of receiving what it what it is that is being said by me or by anyone else. If you really are receiving what is being said by me or by any anyone else, you will not make any more decisions about anything. That doesn't mean that you won't see the differentiation and divide that may be happening between this path and this one over here. You probably will see it even more clearly because you actually see the dependent origination that is showing up as that paratantra, as that situation rather than your, what you're sticking onto it based on hope and fear, based on not wanting this, but wanting that. So you actually are seeing the actual coming and going of things, much more stark, much more vivid, and empty of a self, or empty, or I should say, and empty of an other. You actually see this. You can see this. So what's being pointed out here, fundamentally, 
four moments before thought, imminent arising, actual arising, passing away. You probably are not going to be able to be able to tune into these uh, conceptual instructions unless you have a lot of sitting meditation under your belt, I guess is the way of saying that. You've done a lot of wall gazing, just observing, observing, observing. So you could write this down on a card, put it in front of you, and then practice your as you understand, however shikantaza is showing up for you. And then at some point, refer to the card, before thought. See if you can find a before thought. It's a concept that is pointing to something that is not about thought. See if you can find that. And then you would you could go to the next one. You could go all through all four of them, one right after another. Then you could go back and slow way down and just work on number one or number two for a while. So as I said before, and I've said many times, it is about the awareness of what is happening, not the quality or the value or the intensity or the, the comings and goings, uh, all of the various qualities of anything that's arriving. It's about the awareness itself. So I'd like to take some questions on that. Uh, there are some. What, what would be the qualities you would be looking for? One of the things that you could notice is the quality of how it feels to not be able to do that. We have an instruction. You're told how to do that, or you're told what to look for using a concept before thought. So that would be part of it, is noticing how you're working with the concept of before and how you're working with the concept of thought as you endeavor to see what is being pointed out in this instruction before thought. So those qualities are there. Also, if there is no thought, can you be aware of that without thought? Isn't that a thought to think that there's no no thought? So this is why this brings you into this uh, this particular instruction, brings you into this realm, into this way of working with concepts, of working in a deliberately deliberate way of what is arising in the mind stream. I'm just thinking of how a thought arises, and then we get to get a feeling about it. Whether it's a pleasant thought or an unpleasant thought, or a disturbing thought, where where would that show up? Well, it's probably going to be a little bit less because the the way in which you're working with these is is even more uh, uh, minimal, just, just the thought rather than what the thought is about. So this is a, a way of somewhat kind of weaning you away from the content of the thought taking you into just the structure of thinking by this particular way of working with it done in four stages. One. So are you saying then that if we do digress into how it feels, that we Already begun to pile on other concepts. Yeah, but that's it's about awareness rather than succeeding at doing this. It's a, we use this form, we observe this form, we do what we can with it. You might never feel like you can see the passing away of thought. What is that? It's awareness. It's not a, a, a failure. Or something. Sometimes I try to go backwards and find out where a thought came from. I'll end up at point C, and I go back to see where B and A, how it seemed to lead to that. What, what is that? You just described it. You're just using uh, what is showing up in order to navigate or look around. I think it's, it, it's chicken thighs of somewhat verging on a contemplation or something. It's not, not incorrect. You don't have to bring yourself back to Shikantaza. You're still watching what moves. You might have somewhat of a story around it, but still awareness practice. 
Yes, sir. If we're grasping at thoughts that are arising, are they still passing away? Well, they could be, but if thoughts are arising, uh, you should just observe them rather than refuse them or grasp, the, grasp at them or evaluate them or add anything to them. So have you, have you practiced something like this anywhere? No? It's something you can work on. But it's about observing the grasping rather than not grasping. Don't, you know, I might say, don't grasp. Don't, don't, uh, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Still, I know it's impossible not to go in there and do all kinds, create all kinds of havoc by manipulating based on hope and fear based on suffering probably both oh you're probably missing and you're interfering with it in some way what's the imminent arising The second one. <laughs> uh, there's a kind of pressure when, if you can find, uh, locate uh, no thought, which I think if you've been meditating for a few years, which you have, probably going to be able to do that. You can't maintain no thought. You can notice that nothing is occurring. No, there is no particular occurrence in consciousness. It might last for. You can locate that, and that usually fills up with thoughts about what I think I just saw no thought, that, those kind of thoughts. So just look at that, don't maintain it, but just look on that. And then if that, if you're just with that space and you're not demanding anything of the space or anything of anything, there's no demand, you're just receiving, you're receiving. Nothing shows up, you receive that, and no thought, that kind of situation uh, before thought can show up that way. Whether it will, whether it will or not for you, I don't know. But it's possible for that to happen, and then there's the imminent. You can feel something's about to change. Is there uh, an awareness point in that? Well, there could be. What, what do you want to know? When I look at an imminent arising for that term. Seems like it happens in a lot of different ways, energy or pressure rises. Okay. That works. So all of those are Yes. Yeah, seem ambiguous. Is there is there anything in particular to look for? Just look at the ambiguity. Don't add, don't subtract, don't divide, do nothing with it. Just receive that. Just, that word tells me what you're dealing with and just receive the ambiguity. If you receive it and you don't push on it, you don't do anything with it, then it will it will show up as probably in one of these areas. Question? Um what counts as a thought? Does that include an image or a memory of a sound or, or just sort of actual anything or, or or anything in the mind that shows up is it can be considered that way. It's pretty hard to track it down and nail it to the floor. Thinking just observe that. You can use these concepts. Uh, another one, another thing I would say is if, if you don't want to do this, don't do it. But the only thing I would emphasize is just receive whatever, whatever's showing up. If you wanted to go into these, just a suggestion. Yes. Sometimes when I'm sitting, I crank things up in my mind, creating something. Like checkers and stuff like that. With an imaginary opponent. 
red dress or blue dress? <laughs> what kind of dress? Or you're going to give an address? So address? Um, What's your question? Can this practice um, be done when creating? Uh, again, as you've heard me say quite a few times, it's about awareness. So I hesitate to go into anybody's mind stream who is dedicated to practice as you are. And anyone else here, mostly people are really want to do this and they're spending a lot of their time you know, practicing chicken daza and practicing to, to try to see what this is. So uh, if if something that are, like arises, even that is about awareness. You don't necessarily have to stop entertaining yourself if that's happening spontaneously. You, you just watch that. If you look at it closely um, and you receive it rather than try to push it away because you shouldn't be daydreaming or crank it up because you need to really figure things out as far as how to work on that particular project, and then, then you, you, you will be aware of that also. So it's about the awareness. It's not about, it's not a success story of maintaining some kind of state of mind or state of awareness or state of no thought or state of before thought or imminent arising or actual arising or passing. You don't have to do anything. It's, this is about working with the awareness in as um, subjective and immediate a way as possible. And these four concepts here about what is occurring there are meant to help you be aware. They're not something, it's not something you practice and try to get successful at. I finally got before thought. I finally got to the space before thought. I finally got to see the imminent arising. Contemplate the concepts and notice that you might not be able to go to something that aligns itself with that concept. That's awareness. That's not failure. Are those your feet? Yeah, they're wet. They're wet? They're Just checking. Is there a question in uh, Zoom land? Isaac, you must have a question. You can't have that kind of expression on your face without a question. Isaac Bowling. Yeah, I do. <laughs> um, so is the imminent thought a movement of the mind, Bowling? All of these are movements of the mind. Even the one before thought is a movement of the mind. So it, again, it's about awareness. It's not about getting to a state of mind that is before thought necessarily. Yes, they're all movements. Isaac Bowing, what was the last one again? Passing away, which does not mean death. It means the the thought disappears. Isaac Bowing, thank you. Yes, sir. Sir. Can we see the distinctions between the four moments? Is this something that may become more clear with practice? I think it's possible, yes. What do you think? You've been meditating for a number of years. Does it show up to you? Not very clearly. So not very clearly, that's good. And not very clearly is awareness. Be aware of when you run into this, a lack of clarity. It's still awareness. And what is the next thing that I'm going to say as a teacher? Just keep going. Keep, keep, keep relating to the sitting practice of meditation as as a practice where you sit down, hold still, and you receive whatever continues to move in the mind stream. The mind stream is just is a, is a uh, very similar, if not the same situation uh, as what is happening in the whole world, except in the whole world, it's just in your living room, in your city, in your state, in your country, is 
chaotic. There's so much. But in your mind, you sit down and you actually train your mind to see the chaos that's all over the place, not only in your mind, but in the world, as just this simple situation. If something arises, you'll watch it. And it passes away. You'll watch it. Passes away. And you do that over and over and over. And anything that shows up in the mind stream, you include. So if the feeling along with uh, uh, looking at the concept before thought, that I don't see that, that includes that. Or I think I see that. I include that. There's nothing to correct. Yes, sir. I'm just thinking about these four moments, uh, and also in, in place or, or the placement of the, in the five garments. It feels like this is more microscopic. Talking about you're talking about the five dharmas in the Lankavatara Sutra. Yes. Once you state what those are, so people don't know what you're referring to. Something arises. Yes. We name it. We project onto it. And if we see what this is, it's Buddha knowledge or suchness, opposed to being interchangeable. Okay. So is. Yes. I'm just trying to see how how thoughts go. What I would call go around how we we do something with them. If something comes up. If you do anything with it, then it it tends to. Uh, reify, support, fuel energy to that part of the consciousness commonly known in the Yogacara tradition as the seventh or the Klesha mind or the paranoid mind where it thinks something is wrong, something is right, I'm right, I'm wrong, shouldn't be, should be, all of the other things that happen in that area of the mind. That gets triggered and then uh, the identity, which is an aspect of consciousness that is unreal, doesn't have any status as anything, but it thinks it does, and it gets its status of me over here with that thing over there that I'm not understanding, or that thing over there that I am understanding. It, it, it just ties us up in knots. So just receive. This is why the teaching of just, just observe, just receive. This way you, you slowly, over time, you could say, in some ways, you're just deconditioning yourself from grasping, rejecting, and shutting down passion, aggression, and ignorance that you've been learning from your parents, your society, and from your own mind stream and the very solidity of this illusion. So this is why it's so important to just observe even with these four moments before thought, imminent arising, actual arising, passing away. It's impossible to do that. You should work on it anyway. If you work on it, then what happens in the mind stream may be quite a bit different than uh, to you what, happen, uh, what happens with uh, Biyun or Mioka or someone else or me. It might be a different dynamic that's happening there. Look what you're contemplating that and you start to think of the five dharmas uh, of, the, of the Lanka that is taught in the Lanka Vatara Sutra. Envelopes? Asparagus? Are you bowing? Yes. Do we have any control over any thought? Um, there, there's the illusion of control. Illusion is all the time. This is the illusion of control. I can pick this up and move it. I can hold this up or not hold it up. I can put it back on the altar. Or I can wave it around or I can put it in my lap. So it looks like uh, we're controlling, but uh, what 
what is fundamentally the truth is there's no one there. This movement is happening, but it's dependently arisen. But if I, as a singular sovereign being, decide to move this kotsu from here to there, it looks like I'm in control. It's an illusion. And all you are doing is aligning yourself with that which you are not separate from, which is dependent origination. What you add on is I'm doing it rather than dependent origination is doing it. So you add that on, you add the me is extra, and it creates wars. War in your kitchen, war in the, in the, in the world, war in your mind stream in the middle of a nightmare. In your mind, so how does the practice of Shikantaza intercede in that process? Doesn't so much intercede, uh, maybe a little bit of that, but it's about just bringing the awareness uh, and, and it's uh, the awareness that is everywhere, that, that part that has, has, a, has a connection with this body-mind complex to just like now I can, I can look at the screen, but I can be aware of you. I can look at the screen, but through peripheral vision, I can be aware that Biyun is stretching her neck out like this. I, I didn't look directly at her. I can move that around. And so the, the, the illusion of control is very strong because it looks like you're doing it, but dependent origination is doing that. Just like when you feel something, there's no person feeling that. Feeling is feeling. It sounds like kind of a, that's kind of a useless statement, feeling is feeling. But it's about as close as you're going to get conceptually to what is actually occurring if you're studying this Buddha's Dharma. And if you look down through all of the teachings, not that I've looked at all of them, but to try to find some way of concretely saying this, very difficult to, to find something that is that concrete. Usually it's some, because it's relative truth coming up through language, there's some kind of a metaphor for it that points at it. Two arrows meet, which is impossible to do. The wooden man begins to sing. Those kinds of, someone who has realized this, is trying to encourage you or me or all of us to look closely at what is in front of you. How do you do that? Start out with a wall. Start out with your refrigerator. Just observe, just observe. And receive what is there, receive what is there. I've been doing that for a while. I highly recommend that you do that so that you liberate yourself from the the, what is it, the chains of your afflictions before you pass back into the elements. With that still, that is still, that, that grip is still there, uh, not so good. I can't predict the future. Uh, there isn't. Is it good? If everything's moving in the mind, what's not a thought? Could be a thought, might not be a thought. You, you can't, we, can't, we don't even know what thoughts are. We, we have an, somewhat of an idea, but we, we can't say, well, this is a thought, and this over here is an emotion, and this over here is a memory of, of, a, of sailing in Nova Scotia last November. We can't, it, that whole area is, is a, from the point of view of figuring anything out, it is a mess. But yet we can go in and use that, that conceptual mind to do all kinds of things create things, examine things, but we don't know exactly. We, we know we have them. We kind of know what they do, but we don't know fundamentally what they are. We also don't know what, what this is. We don't know who we are. This, excuse me, incredible mistaken identity that we think we are somehow because there's a body here because I can move my hand. And uh, Juzan doesn't move his hand, and somehow we're separate. That's why often it's taught in, in Zen, it's, it's kind of taught the other way around. Um, uh, I eat beans and you get gas. Oh, there's a smile. <laughs> so it's, it's taught to, to be to deliberately opposing everything so that you will begin to have some insight into the nature of consciousness rather than, rather than con 
continually locking down on apparent relative truth, which is uh, which is relatively extremely true, but ultimately is an illusion, unreal. Further question about that? Water cloud. Further questions? Come on, Carl. I know you have a question. Carl Bond, it seems like what we do with language is to make a shortcut out of something. So, like I make a shortcut out of you, I can see the edges of your of your okesa and etc. But if if I were to go down to a molecular level, I wouldn't see that edge. It wouldn't be there at all. It would blend with the next thing. So is dependent origination saying a way is a way of saying there aren't really any edges to anything. Yeah, well said. <laughs> well said. How are we going to handle that? What can, what can we do? Can we do anything about that? Yeah, there aren't any edges. That's just like if the if the physicists when they go way down, way way down, smaller and smaller and smaller, uh, things don't hold up anymore. Logic doesn't hold up there anymore. It's just it's just a mess at that level from the point of view. Of, our, our relative truth that we're dealing with, cause and effect, right and wrong, up and down, back and forth, existence, non-existence. And you can do that, you can understand that with your mind. It will not show up as a credential. If, it gets, if it's a credential, we're right back to the circularity of relative truth. That's why I say sometimes, hopefully, and so far as I hope for anything, uh, that you will get an idea of what I'm talking about when, when I say to you, say it to you in this way. How do I know this? I don't know. That's how I know. I, I actually don't know. That's how I know. And if you reflect on that, you would have to realize that it might take one hell of a leap to actually, uh, leave relative truth and and your or your understanding is there's no one understanding there's nothing understood this is talked about by famous erudite wise teachers down through the century including nagarjuna basubandhu other teachers dogen as soon as you leave all views no views you have a view Everything's blotted out. You're ignoring all kinds of things. But if you have no view, then you're, you're not separate from that ultimate situation. At the same time, you're waving a stick around or you're, you're eating uh, uh, blueberries, as I was earlier today. The relative truth is there, and the ultimate truth is there at the same time. It's sometimes called co-emergent. When you see what this is, wisdom or that which sees the truth and confusion or that which makes a mess of everything come up together. It's just a way of teaching it. So you can actually transcend this world without going anywhere. You have to see it. And you won't see it if you're covering it up or extending your own views or ideas or any of your contraptions about anything, even if it's the sutras. Even if it's, you think the Diamond Sutra is, is better than Samdhi Nirmachana Sutra, or any kind of situation like that. And Buddhists have been doing this for centuries, arguing the, about, if you, if you trace and do any of the history, you can see where I mentioned the Tendai uh, school earlier, and they came into favor for a while, and then because somebody came along who didn't like that, then they got pushed back down again, and then they came back, and then uh, it just goes on and on like that, all over. Republicans and Democrats. Are you allowing support, confusion, and wisdom to come up together and co-emerge? Yes. Is it necessary to drop off that concept? Somewhat. The best thing to drop off is, as Dogen said in the 13th century, drop off body and mind. Body and mind, or thinking process, drop it off. And uh, it's not something you can 
so much. It's not like getting rid of your body or committing some kind of suicide or uh, anesthetizing your thought process. It's the attachment to that that is being pointed out there. The attachment to the body is being real. The attachment to your thoughts is being real. If you believe your thoughts, you'll not only suffer, but you'll torture people around you. Maybe not deliberately. Won't be any kind of deliberation. You'll feel justified in hating this person, disliking that person, accusing this person for how you feel. We do it all the time, somewhat. Everyone's doing some version of that somewhere, sometime. Unless you are clear about who you are and what this is. Don't believe your thoughts. When I say that, I, I know you can't help it because I, I believe my thoughts are coming and going. But by having that kind of a teaching, it will help encourage you when you're sitting to go in and look at the thoughts and look at the way you're stuck on them and see that you can't really not believe those. But what happens if you do that, at some point you begin to look at the believer and see that that's what's unreal, it's the believer. The thoughts are dependently risen. They, they've got a ticket to ride. You're not going to be able to stop them. You don't need to stop them. You don't need to stop. You don't need to control anything. It is about seeing what this is. And it is not separate. If you're interested in that, then I highly recommend that you continue to train your mind, continue to return to the wall, return to the three jewels, the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha, the teacher, the teaching, and the community. Those three are powerful structures, reference points. Are there more questions? Sort of. So does um, wisdom and confusion arising together mean that the confusion is laminated to the wisdom? No, it doesn't. It means that they're not separate. You cannot find a reference point. This is why uh, this is why the view it doesn't really see anything. It doesn't it doesn't see a reference. Certainly. How does the co-emergent wisdom and confusion show up in someone who's confused and in someone who sees what this is? I'm not, I don't follow the question. How does it? How does it show up in someone who's confused and in someone who's who's uh, realized? Well, in someone who's confused, they. They assume those are two different things, and they try to push away one and get the other if they're a practitioner. If they're not a practitioner, then they might just be totally buying into their thought patterns. Or if someone's a practitioner, is at least has some kind of, and has a teacher or has a, a situation where they're practicing, has some kind of insight, a little bit, that there might be things that might, might not be what they thought they were. And somewhat, someone who is clear or realized is uh is not separate from dependent origination so they they would just depend on all the karma that they were at once obstructing in themselves trying to be somebody else trying to you could say miss their life because they have another life they'd rather live another feeling they'd rather have so that person who has realized is is an, is an open dimension and feelings are free to come and go the person who's realized could have very very intense negative feelings coming out of their personal, this body-mind complex history. And uh, you would never know it because they would never complain. They might not even describe it unless they were teaching and needed to use that to help someone understand. So, but there's no one there anymore. So therefore the, 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 the identity has been seen through as being false. So yeah, even the identity may show up as dependent origination. And everything that arises in the mind stream is dependently risen, but it's unreal. So therefore, you could say, I sometimes say, have said recently, I don't really care how I feel. I care how I feel. I can't do this. I can't function as a Dharma teacher. If I'm concerned about whatever emotion goes through my mind and I try to look for a cause or blame somebody, 
More? Good question. Yes, sir. Is looking at the believer something that arises on its own? A after a while, it might not happen right away. It might might be a lot more difficult to see if one is really stuck on the feeling or the emotion or whatever shows up. If, if, if one has a grip on that and it just looks real, then to try to see the believing, the consciousness that is back that believes that, it's difficult to look to see that because it's laminated, it's, it, there's no distance there. What happens eventually when you begin to look at that clamp down, look at the clamp, look at the way you're hanging on, rather than try to stop it or do anything with it. And that way the, the that identity, which is unreal, starts to show up. Is looking for the believer before that shows up on its own a cover up? Does it take us away from that? No. No, just like these, these uh, four moments before thought, imminent, arising, actual, arising, passing away, don't take you away from anything. They're concepts that might uh, might radicalize. When I say radicalize, I'm talking about the root meaning of that, not radicalize like it's used in modern uh, conventional politics. Take you to, to the basis of something. So those concepts, I think, would be uh, helpful in that way. Some more. Somewhat, but basically, basically the, the, the emphasis is uh, emphasis on there is to see that that those two situations, what those are both referring to, are not separate. So, if they were separated, then there would be some kind of relationship. If there's no relationship there, particularly. There isn't anything else but that. Go ahead, please. Right, there's nothing else but wisdom. Well, there isn't anything, anything but wisdom, but the way we talk about it is to, to help you or me or any one of us deal with our confusion to say that anytime you experience confusion, wisdom is there with it. As, as it. And it arises at, with it or as it, however, whatever, whatever is the most helpful for you to, to see or view or contemplate, understand. Further questions anywhere? Still have a little bit of time left. Carl Bowen. Carl. Back to my question or my idea that that things there aren't really any edges to anything. Like I can see how these four moments are really continuous in some way. So why does Buddhism spend such energy dividing everything up into pixelating it into little concepts? What's the teaching value of that, Bob? I don't know, maybe boredom. <laughs> I think it's like it, it, it makes a little bit of sense uh, if you, if you, for instance, let's take the five skandhas: form, feeling, perception, concept, the thinking process, or consciousness, or all of the sense fields that are coming at us all the time from different directions: taste, smell, touch, hearing, seeing. Uh, do not get together and make up a solid being or person. So that, but to break it down in that way, in, in its parts, then we can see that, that if we contemplate it, contemplate it a little bit, we'll see that, that, uh, that um, form or this solid being and feeling uh, have, a, have a connection somehow. And then, and then perception has a connection somehow. And then the thought process, it mixes it up with that and has thoughts about the feelings and about the perception and about the body situation. And then the six sense fields come along. And as Trungpa Rinpoche would say, it's like the six sense fields are like needles coming right back through the, the middle three all the way to the form in uh, and, and just uh, no time at all, split second. It's just all over and over and over, tying everything together. Me, 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 and my stuff, and how I feel, and what I should do, and what I shouldn't do, and what people need to stop doing or telling me, and how I'm not gonna, I'm gonna, or I'm not gonna. 
the constant circularity of the mind stream going around that is confused. And so one of the understandings there is to see that the connection between form, feeling, perception, concept, and consciousness in a, in a realized being, those are still there, but they're not connected to each other. They don't, they, they're self-existing. It's a, it's a, it's a concept that is, that came out of the ancient times that, that is very difficult to understand uh, by continuing it on with more logic or rationalization or analysis. You just have to receive it in your consciousness that form is, has a, a relationship to feeling and has a relationship to perception and to thinking, but they're, they're, they're rangjong, which is a Tibetan word for self-existing. My understanding, and uh, Takado, you can correct me if I have my Tibetan language uh, run amok. Um, so it's, it's the idea that if you can, if you can go, just go with one of those, just go with perception. It's just perception only. And that is a way of talking about it. Or it's just feeling only. Or it's just the body. It's just this. There's just seeing. And what strings it all together is part of the, the Christmas package that we get when we think we're somebody going somewhere with some idea, some kind of agenda that's either going to succeed or fail. Uh, if we can just get it right, you just figure things out. So it's basically spiritual materialism. This is why the awareness is so important and is emphasized, not awareness of some particular thing as opposed to another one, but just awareness, just receive. Whatever shows up in your mind stream, it's supposed to be there. You need it. It's, you need it, but it needs to be there because it's dependently arisen. You didn't create it. You can't stop it. There's no justification for it. And it has no reference point that is any stronger than anything else. Go ahead, Brian. Brian Bond. Uh, so let me, okay. My question from what I'm hearing. Um, <clears throat> so I mean, my, your sensations, feelings, arisings, um separate and <clears throat> dependent origination karma not separate is that right I, i'm not sure I, i'm following you a little bit but i feel like there's something that you want to know or you want me to respond to that i might have to do some uh rummaging around to find out what what the import what what's bringing up that question just clarify it a little bit if you could please for my benefit i'm kind of slow i'm just seeing if i can uh rephrase what you're saying uh from my own uh awareness and words maybe go ahead yeah um so concepts I mean, my, mine, yours. Yes. Uh, feeling separate things, right? Yes. Um, Non-conceptual, not separate. I'm probably still a long ways off. Well, I, I don't know about that. I'm just saying, what do you want to know? And if you can put the... Use those concepts, use those ideas, but bring that together in a in a question rather than say a bunch of things and say, right? <laughs> I can't do that. I can't do that because I, I don't understand what I'm agreeing with. That's no, that's all I'm I'm just Okay. I'm just asking if yeah. never mind. Well, I don't, let's, let's yeah. do this. Why don't you why don't you write all of that down and see later on, maybe not tonight, but some other time. I'm I'm very interested in your question. But I, I, but the way you're posing it to me is uh, isn't so workable. So, Chisho, you have a question. Chisho, I mean, uh, I think you uh, probably answered it just now. Uh, this question, like, what is thought, or these four moments of thought itself? Yes. Uh, it seems impossible to figure it out. So I'm, I'm wondering if. This is, it's a way to uh, 
help us prioritize awareness away from the thinking process? Bye. Very, uh, very likely could be that. It's about the, the insight or the uh, even insight is a, a mechanical word that doesn't work so well, but it's the awareness of what this is that is ineffable. We cannot describe it. You can't describe thought. We use that word. We all say, well, what were you thinking about? Well, I, I was thinking about going to the store. Want to go with me? I don't know. I think I'll stay here. A lot of, a lot of use of the word thinking. Uh, but and it has its uh, structure and its use very, very pragmatically. But when we start to take that in and use thought to try to figure out what thoughts are or figure out what the emotions are, we, we just run into, uh, you know, uh, what, what is that? can't remember. Rubber baby buggy bumpers. Y'all heard of that? Yeah. <laughs> she was born in the, in the last century. <laughs> so we run into a, an impasse, we run into an obstruction, or we run, and it just we bounce right off from it. It's like, why am I bouncing off something? My question, my inquiry was very valid. We come back with that. Anyone who has no mind training will come back intellectually and bounce back into thought patterns and will and will just assume, well, I just have to figure it out here, not knowing that they can that this thinking process is a stepping stone to, to realization. But you can't think your way into into reality because you are not separate from reality already. You have to realize that you've always been here. I sometimes say, and people have said way before I got here, you already are the Buddha. You just cover it up. You're already not separate from awakening or enlightenment or realization. That's why it can be said if you realize nothing happens. There has to be someone there for something to happen. Yes, sir. Not, not a question, but it feels like it just came up that these are exactly the kind of questions that physicists are also dealing with when they go deep in. Yes. The way they measure things is itself, it cannot be used to measure what they use, what they want to measure. <laughs> well said. Well said. It's a, and that's something uh, um, that I'm not a scholar or a physicist by any means, obviously, or maybe not so obvious. I don't know, but, I, but I, I'm really interested in, in that kind of science that goes in, especially when it starts to run into things that this is not making any sense, where uh, all, all these different physicists actually disagree, who are all brilliant investigators of the material world, uh, going in down into this material. And it's uh, just astonishing how what used to be uh, Einstein was saying was true now has been pretty much disproved. And they're going into deeper levels of that understanding, even though he uh, certainly uh, understood a lot and explained a lot to us. But there are things that are faster than the speed of light, which he didn't would not agree with. And, and, and I don't know the science, but it's been proven. How? What? What does that mean? Proof? I, I don't know. I'm not not very smart in that area, so I can't I can't quote chapter and verse. And, but there's but that I've read that enough in enough different places that it looks like that's the case. Have you looked into that, Chisho? Chisho, I recently in one of my WhatsApp group there was a discussion around physicists and bumping into consciousness. Uh, I didn't read through it fully, but if I do, I'll, if I can, if I find it, I'll send it across to you if you're interested. Right. I'd like to look at it. Is there a final question? I guess I should say. Anyone? Is, does anyone want to just go to take a nap? Or bed? Everybody sleepy? Brian Bowie. Brian, go for it. Um, in the beginning of your, your Dharma talk, you said uh, maybe write down these. The, the four items on a, a card and wow. use that use it during our meditation you could yes, yes. yeah you sit it down in front of you in front of you and maybe do a practice uh, if you're doing shikantaza which you probably are but uh practice shikantaza for half an hour um, you know 45 minutes or whatever and maybe the last four or five minutes you know just work on those just work maybe um, do 
maybe do one of the go ahead please go ahead um well i've i've in the i've always in my meditations often done have little reference cards or things that i always felt i was cheating a bit um it, that I might be slipping into more of a contemplative kind of practice than just an observation practice. Mm. Is there a danger in that? I don't think so. I don't think okay. so. The only thing I would say I would recommend, and I'm not, this is not a, some kind of rule, but I would say as much as you can, try to receive. And if you're contemplating, you're not receiving, you're spitting out stuff. Uh, yeah. not, not completely, but you're doing a lot of what is the fancy word ratiocination around everything around and around and around and so but by sitting down and and putting yourself in the position of just observing with all the sense fields uh it's 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 uh, it's radical i mean it's it's very much at the root of that especially if you've done it for years and years and years and then when you come back uh say at the end of a an hour, two hours, three hour sitting period, which I highly recommend. You haven't heard that already. And I would say spend five or 10 minutes working on these. Don't, don't do it for the whole hour. Now, I don't know what they do in the Tendai version of that uh, in ancient times or even in uh, contemporary times because that school is still happening in Japan. And I think, I don't know about China, but I know it is in Japan. So uh, do a little bit of, the, of what you're talking about. And it could be not just what I'm saying here, but any other kind of contemplation. Sometimes if somebody has strong questions about anger and how that arises, I say, write anger down or uh, on a card and you go from, from doing receiving chikantaza, look down at the card, anger, and then bring all of your intellectual understanding all the dynamics in your mind stream down of what is anger? What is that? What, 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 what? Not a why question. Why will give you reasons and, and that's a, a scapegoat go for ego thinking somebody else created the anger. Nobody created anything. If it's in your mind, it's yours. Be responsible. Blame no one. If you blame somebody, then it's circular. It doesn't matter. Brian Bowing? Yes, sir. A kind of follow-up question um if if all of our thinking is dependently arisen then even when we when we imagine that we're manipulating our thinking the thoughts are dependently arisen exactamundo as they would say in yeah. another country okay yes exactly even this this being here who pre, who presumes to even teach the Dharma at all is these words that are coming out are dependently risen. There's no one here creating any damn thing. So I'm imagining that there's a thinker thinking. Exact. Exactly. Yes. You you imagine we so I think call it the imaginary nature. Parakalpada in the teachings. It's parakalpada. Paratantra is dependently risen. Parakalpada is is uh, the imaginary that we add on to the the Tantra, and then when you see what that is, this is uh, um, the perfected nature or uh, Arinashpana. Uh, you, you, the work is over. You see it. You might be even perplexed by the way people keep torturing themselves. You see people literally torture themselves for no apparent reason, although the reasons to them is very, very strong. They think there is a cause. And they want to blame them for it or blame themselves or me, it's me. I can't do this. I'll never do this right. This is why people like uh, incredible geniuses like Van Gogh, as I've used before, who was astonishing uh, ability to use his eye mind to see the, the way to put colors and shapes and images together in such a way that's just absolutely stunning and radiant. You've seen any of his paintings, which I'm sure you have. And yet he so had so much self hatred. He had to kill himself. He had to end his physical existence. That's extreme confusion. And it doesn't come from just that lifetime. It comes from lifetime after lifetime after lifetime. And I don't believe in reincarnation. So don't misunderstand me. Nor do I disbelieve in it. Nor do I ignore it. You might want to take that approach, if you can, to everything. We're good, and we're bad. Hi, this is Chiazan, the prior at Sokokoji Buddhist Monastery. 
Sokazan offers these talks without expecting anything in return. If you value these talks and would like them to continue, please visit our donate page at www.sokukoji.org. Thank you.